Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Highly Spiritual Person podcast. I'm Camille Elizabeth. This is my conversation with the vibrant, the funny, the absolute delight, Dale Allen Rose. Dale is many things. He's a realtor. He's an author. He's a quilter, but he's also a shaman. So in this episode, Dale tells me all about what it means to be a shamanic practitioner. And we also talk about manifestation, his three-step manifestation process, and how to affect the matrix. Let's get into it. show how are you i am great i'm so happy to be here i just first and foremost like not only want to thank you but also take the time to really call out how important i think it is that what you're doing like i really believe in your show i believe yeah. in what you're doing here and i'm a huge fan and so it's just it's a thrill for me to be here to know you <laughs> well listen the the feeling is mutual i think your work is great I've been like binge watching your YouTube channel. I've been checking out your website. I have so many questions. And, you know, the way that I normally like to do this show is I like to lead up to where you are now by exploring where everything started. Like, what was your, your childhood like? Who was Little Dale? Yeah. So that's a great question. Great lead off yep. question. You know, yeah. who I was as a younger person was a very sensitive soul. Um, yeah. I was always been, I don't know, tender, like, and, and a tender, mm -hmm. sensitive boy, which doesn't yeah. always, you know, mesh with, you know, our, our world that we live in today. Sure. I was raised in a very kind of um, traditional 1970s, <laughs> you know, Christian environment. My father was a Baptist minister and my mom ah. was a high school substitute like very run of the mill, but we grew yeah. up um, outside of British Columbia. And oh, wow. the, this is the most important thing about my upbringing. Okay. So while I was being raised in this very traditional Christian environment, I had an uncle who's a full blood in indigenous, you know, Canadian individual. And yeah. he was raising my cousins on a reservation. Right. And so they were having this very different life. Like half our family was like on the reservation and the other of us were like, you know, having this kind of traditional Christian experience. Right. But yeah. I always like fascinated me about their life and their, their world, but more importantly, like their faith, because they mm -hmm. were so, you know, spirit and nature based. And mm -hmm. what I was being taught was so like kind of amorphous, like I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but what they were doing and how they were, you know, communicating with spirit was all very much on the land, right, mm -hmm. of, of where they were. So that's kind of how, you know, I was being raised, you know, in that kind of environment. That's, that's where it all started. <laughs> so as you were witnessing this other way of being spiritual and you, it seemed like you, you had uh, almost a sense of admiration for the way that they were uh, practicing. Were you allowed to experience any of that or was your childhood and your family very much like, no, we need to stay on this side <laughs> in this Christian box. <laughs> yeah. 
there, there were yeah. definitely lines. There were, there were definitely, yeah. like, we weren't even really allowed to see them or visit with them or know about them. And of course, to a young person who's, you know, dissatisfied with what they're being told, right? Oh. Like that just, that created so much imagination for me of what it might be because I didn't know and I wasn't allowed to know, right? And that was kind of like the yeah. first, like, red flag it was like oh like maybe there's something there that they don't want me to know and of course now I want to know it <laughs> right so so when did you start to explore I mean because now that you're you're you know there's something over there for you at what point in your life did you actually right. start to peek over to that other side well you know what I remember um I remember at Christian Bible camp and they would send us sometimes out into the woods to go and pray and meditate. Mm. And if like, that was the only thing that I got out of it, it was that introduction to self and spirit, it, like in nature. And mm -hmm. I, I really, well, I don't, you know, I don't take a lot out of that early upbringing. I do take that. I do take that piece. Um, you know, for me, group, of any kind has always been troublesome. Um, you know, I've always wanted to have my spirituality be an experience, an adventure mm -hmm. for one, right? Like I'm a seeker for my mind, my experience, my, you know, reason for being here. And uh, so, you know, I, that was the takeaway from my early upbringing. Now, as I was getting older, it really, my family started to turn on me as I was you know, discovering that I was a queer individual, like I was born under the queer spectrum and nowhere in my life or in my culture that I was being raised in, was I allowed to express that? Like it was, yeah. it was told to me very, very early up front that that was not going to be okay, that I had mm -hmm. to follow along, you know, gender norms. I needed to, you know, but here I am, this young, sensitive kid who likes to sew, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. my hand sewing was like my, my project, you know, and tap yeah. dancing. Right? <laughs> right? So, the activities I enjoyed in prison. And I while mean, I might not have been popular. <laughs> but, but, but I can even, just knowing you for the little time that I've known you, I can see your exuberance. I can see that you have this larger than life, this beautiful, beautiful aura about you. And you're being confined in this box and you're being told that you can't be fully who you are. How did you, how did yeah. you deal with that? Yeah. So, well, I ran away. I ran away. Oh. I, I literally oh, okay. ran away. I hadn't even graduated <laughs> high school. Yeah. I hadn't even graduated high school and I went and joined a ballet company, like a ballet school. And yeah. I was able to get scholarships. And I was like, I moved around the, across the country um, yeah. and I wasn't but 17. I hadn't even graduated high school. I had to go and take my GED at the University of Winnipeg at 17 years old. <laughs> oh like, my God. I like, be launched into the career that I was doing because the ballet companies were already wanting me to start touring with them. And I was, yeah. I was working before I graduated high school, you know, like that was my life. Wow. And I had this yeah. really big performing career. Um, you know, that led into that. Wow. So you run away, you join the ballet. You know, I feel like yeah. when people say they run away, it's it's normally not something so uh, elegant as a ballet company. It's usually something else that they're joining or they're, they're joining the circus, but you join the ballet. So you, you're performing, uh, yeah. you're, it sounds like you're just, you're finding out more of who you are. How did your spirituality play into all of this while you're running away from your Christian family. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
when I say I, I ran away, I ran yeah. away to avoid being institutionalized. Those were mm. my options. I didn't, I didn't just leave. I fled, right? Yeah. And I, I, in terror, left an, an environment that was refusing to support my humanity, right? Mm -hmm. And so, like, the family dynamic was broken. And I was, like, on my own. My parents made it really clear that... I mean, even birthday cards were cut off. There, were, there was nothing. There was no support. Like, and I knew that. Mm. I knew that. And I knew I yeah. had to be financially independent and stable enough in yeah. order to get, you know, honest with my parents on, on that level. So that created a lot of the terror, um, right? And the kind mm -hmm. of PTSD of, of having to flee your home. And it's something I really talk about, you know, in my book about my life. And, and while yeah. my book, Foreign to Me, yeah. is placed on a, um, fictional character. I couldn't, well, there were several reasons I didn't want to tell my story. I wanted to put my story on a fictional character because yeah. as I was going through it, I found I was able to really work on my problems on a fictional character in a three-dimensional way that, that I had never mm -hmm. done before. And, mm -hmm. you know, as, uh, I, as I was leaving my performing career, um, I was having a really big real estate career that was then, I, I found I was very ill. And the stress mm. of just running for all those years and all the stress of real estate. I don't know if you've ever been in a real estate transaction, but it's really not fun. <laughs> yeah, I've been on the other side as the person buying and selling the house. And I know it's stressful. So I couldn't imagine as a broker doing that times 10 or 100. Yeah. And, yeah. So that, and that was my life. And I was just, I mean, my nervous system was just mm -hmm. shot. Yeah. And I started to move weird and I, I developed this really, um, so in terms of neurological movement disorders, there's three big ones. There's MS, mm -hmm. Parkinson's and dystonia. Yeah. I didn't know about dystonia. So when I started to develop a, a movement disorder, I thought I had either Parkinson's or MS and I was like, sure. oh, oh, this is how I die. This is how I go out. And I saw the event horizon of my life, right? Mm -hmm. In 2014. And yeah. because there's no cure. One, this is the thing that once you got it, you got it, right? And then the best that they can do is try and, you know, numb any uh, muscles that are being moving in, in without your assistance. Sorry. Sure. Anyhow, so when I started to lose control of my body and mm -hmm. I was, you know, just terrified and I was like, okay. And everywhere I went looking for answers, nobody had any. Yeah. Like, nobody had any, like anything to offer me at all. And because yeah. dystonia is the one neurological movement disorder that won't kill you, there's very little research. All the research goes into MS and Parkinson's, right? And mm -hmm. I get why, but yeah. there's this whole, you know, subset of people that are dealing with this other, you know, weirdness that you have to try and then deal with. And as a mm. performer, as having my body be my instrument for so many years, like watching it just kind of all like wither away was, yeah. was something I needed to deal with, something I needed to tackle. And I had to write this book in order to give me my fictional yeah. character, right? My, um, you know, person who was representing me in this work, right? Yeah. I had to find a way to have dystonia be this character's superpower. And I wasn't yeah. going to stop in my creative process until I found a way into that to find mm -hmm. the gifts of why this was being delivered to me. 
Why yeah. is this here in my life? Because there's a very real reason. And you know what? There's been no downside. There's wow. been no downside. Dystonia has brought me and my husband so much closer because there was a long time where he had to help dress me, where he had to help feed me, where he had to help me go to the bathroom, right? Like this was a very real experience that we were having as a couple. And it, and again, we're so different because of it. And we're so much better because of it. I'm so much better because of yeah. it. Because yeah. it was like, okay, hey, Dale, what do you want to do with your life? Are you going to take control? Mm -hmm. Is life happening to you or are you going to go and happen to life? You know, and I, I had a real decision to make. Like, am I going to continue on this process of all these drugs that these doctors were piling on top of me to the point where I didn't know what was the movement disorder and what was me anymore? Like there mm -hmm. was just no clear line. Yeah. And so a couple of years ago, uh, we decided to move up here to this ranch. And we paid it off in cash. We moved off to the middle of nowhere. We don't even have trash service here. I have to haul our trash to the dump, right? But it's what we could afford. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we're in all cash. And we got five acres and we have four ducks and four dogs and we just garden. And, you know, I still do real estate here and there, you know, yeah. but with a house paid off and a truck that's paid off, like we're now into an alignment with our own lives that feels like home base yeah. and a place to start to build from rather than build and starting life through debt, right? We yeah. really were like, we would just flip it. And it was like, okay, how much cash do we have? This is how much we have to work with. And yeah. I will tell you, sleeping in the woods for two yeah. years yeah. has helped heal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how else to explain it, but I am so much better. I look younger. I yeah. like feel better. I've never, and I, I'm not anything. When we moved to the ranch, I stopped all my medication. I didn't want anything other than me. I needed yeah. to know what was me. And if it was me that was moving weird, then I need to know that that was me. I, I yeah. couldn't have chemicals, you know, in my system that I didn't know what they were really doing. I needed yeah. to kind of get a home base. So that's what we did. And, and moving up here, I really have pretty much cured myself. Like I said, I, I have a walker. Yeah. I, I used to have to get around the house in a walker, right? And yeah. I haven't had to use it. I mean, occasionally here and there, I'll have a little really bad day. But yeah. I know that if I'm too stressed or too tired, or if I've been pushing myself too hard, that's when I'm mm -hmm. going to have a problem. So I don't do those things anymore. <laughs> so you're in balance. It sounds like the journey through uh, this illness is has been teaching you balance and harmony. That's the thing that keeps coming up. Balance within yourself, balance within nature, balance in your relationship, balance and harmony. Yeah, you know, yeah. and we, we forget how destructive being in destructive environments are for us. Like yeah. in environments that like uh, consume the news, because I don't watch, you know, really television or news. Neither do we I. watch like holiday baking show. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the level I'm willing to sign up for, right? Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. And we're super, super clean in, in everything that we do. And I, I have... I look 10 years younger. Yeah. And again, it was just me taking control of not only my health, but the most important thing was my vibe. Yeah. I was like this Your before. frequency. And I yeah. was searching and I was trying to get and I was striving and there was like avarice and there was like the deals and there was like the yeah. more and the more and the more. It was like, I just stopped. Yeah. I stopped it all. 
and I took a look at what we could afford to buy and we moved out to the middle of nowhere and yeah. bought it. Yeah. Right? And yeah, it's a little bit more of a commitment to driving into town to do business and, and things like this. But I tell you, sure. when we're up here, like we have created our own island of safety up here and yeah. we don't let, and this is like the evolution that we need to help like you and I like move people along in, mm -hmm. right? Is yeah. the vibration of things. Yeah. I'm so grateful for having been introduced to shamanism as a spiritual practice, right? Mm -hmm. Shamanism isn't a religion practice. And there's a million different ways to practice it, whether you're talking, you know, animal tracking or ancient songs, drumming and rattles, or whether what I do, which is channeling information mm -hmm. from beyond me into books. Right. Yeah. And everybody can develop, like, it's a really big tent, like shamanism. Like, what do you, what do you want to practice? And sure. that's what I love the most about going to a shamanic school where the first thing they do is they kind of introduce you to the entire buffet of specialties that you can kind yeah. of, you know, look into, like, where are you being called? You know, and I was really clear that I was being called from the beginning, um, into, uh, you know, shamanism and channeling. So I feel like the the word shaman or shamanism is thrown around a lot. But what if you were going to just give yep. a definition? What is shamanism? Yeah. Okay, so a shaman, like the real definition, a shaman is the doctor of the soul. But then mm. it calls out like what is the soul? What are we the doctor of? What we're mm -hmm. the doctor of is energy work within the body which then extends outside of the body into the rest of the world yeah so you talk about this physical ailment this illness that you went through yeah. do you see that as yeah. a shamanic illness as an initiation or do you just see that as another event in your life Oh, 100% initiation. So yeah. dystonia literally is literally means out of alignment. If you're dystonic, huh. you are yeah. out of alignment. Right? Yeah. So I had to take my cues from what what was being presented, and yeah, uh, you know, I just had to focus on like my container, my yeah. alignment. What's happening in here? What am I vibing with? Because in shamanism, like they view even uttering low dense vibration words like we are all sinners as an abuse. <laughs> yes. Like they, yeah. would, they would never utter that because they see it as slighting their own self honor. They would never yeah. sully themselves with low dense vibration words like that. And yeah. so it's so interesting to get into a world where good and evil is not the default. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because this whole world that we live in teaches both good and evil. Yeah. They teach good and they teach evil. In shamanism, mm. they don't teach evil. They don't mm. allow evil because evil is a thought construct. And all you have to do to kill a thought construct is to have the minds who are participating in it to stop thinking about it. And then it just goes away. So all they okay. ever deal in is high vibration words, high vibration conversations, because you can get there no matter where you're going in life using high vibration words only. You don't have yeah. to sully yourself by insulting others or insulting people or bringing that type of toxic energy into the room. That can no longer be allowed. And that yeah. is, I think, what we're experiencing in terms of the evolution of self. Right? Yeah. That we're starting to see things not as good and bad and right and wrong, because that's uh, ego 
you know, call on your yeah. own, on your own say so, good and bad and right and wrong, good and bad and right and wrong to whom, right? <laughs> and so yes. we can't use good and bad, right and wrong as like a singular, like North Star of what it actually is, because it's always going to be a judgment call. So if we look yeah. at it from its vibration, rather, it becomes much more clear. Is this a high vibration conversation? Is this a high vibration person? Or mm -hmm. is this a toxic person? who's bringing low dense vibration stuff into the room. So it sounds like instead of thinking about things through a duality, a strict polarity, right. you're saying we should be paying attention to more the frequency, the vibration, how things feel, how things actually affect us. Is that right? Right. Right. Yeah. right. Like what level yeah. of light is this conversation bringing? What level of love is this conversation bringing? Right. And yeah. that doesn't mean we can't disagree. But that means yeah. that you, you always, you know, make sure that you always say no from a place of respect of others, right? Yeah. Because you can't sully them. You can't sully yourself in what you're doing, um, at least in shamanic practices, and still, you know, be allowed into the group. Like, they're that strict about it. Like, you can't be a low-dense yeah. vibration person. <laughs> like, yeah. and be in the, in the tribe. And if you are being toxic in the group, they see yeah. that as an illness. Like, what's wrong with you? When did you stop singing? When did you stop dancing? When did you stop celebrating self? When did you stop paying attention to self-honor? Because self-honor would never, ever, ever devolve into toxic behavior. So you, I hear you talking a lot about these shamanic gatherings and, and what the expectations are amongst those people. Once it comes to a client or somebody who's seeking out your services, what does that relationship look like? What, what kind of practices or services are they coming to you for? I thank you so much for asking this question because nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, how would, I, how would I use what you do? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm so curious. I want to know. Yeah, yeah. I know. So, a shamanic practitioner is somebody who's moving energy from one place to another, right? And there's lots yeah. of different, whether it's Reiki or other ways that you're moving energy. And so whether, like in my real estate business, I actually use it for space clearing, right? Yeah. So for some, there's a, and I'll just do it for my buyers. I, I will clear their house for them prior to them moving in, right? Because I want yeah. the space to be free of whatever old energy there was. Because mm -hmm. houses can have energetic attachments. We've all yeah. walked into a room and gone, Something feels really off in here. It's really creepy yep. in here. I don't know why. Yeah. That right there that you're receiving is shamanism. Yeah. That portal of information that, that you're standing in a room going, this feels creepy. That is the language that shamanism is spoken in. And mm. it's a portal, right? It's, it's a way to communicate with your surroundings that we in the Western world have not been taught, but mm -hmm. can learn. And it was surprising to me to learn this channel of information that tethers to and attaches to your entire surroundings. And of course, the more yeah. you evolve in self, the more sensitive that field becomes around you, right? Mm -hmm. But it's a portal that they teach you that's kind of found at the intersection of imagination and inkling. Mm. And you kind of dial into that place. And the inkling is kind of like what leads you. And there's this whole practice of, of adopting a, what we call a journeying state. And a journeying state is kind of like a trance almost, right? And you go into and you chase 
portals of information, depending on what you're seeking, right? And this is how I write my books is I, I really dial down into that, that intersection of, of like this knowing, this inkling that you just kind of get, right? Like it's the second I sat down to write my book, the title came to me and the, the, the name of the character. I was like, yeah. oh, uh, oh, okay. Let me just write that down, <laughs> right? But then <laughs> I started seeing it a little bit more. And it was like, then do this, then do this, then do this. And I'm like, oh God, okay, really? And it was like, I, I had uncapped this fountain and I had discovered this like channel of information that I myself didn't know how to like manage and it was like yeah. just thundering through me like this locomotive of information that I didn't know how to stop or turn off and it was driving me crazy and I couldn't sleep and I couldn't eat and it was just like this like so anyways that's actually what led me to go and formally study shamanism because I thought I was yeah. losing my mind and I couldn't yeah. get controls or like opening up this portal of information you know but yeah. it's how I wrote nine books here you know <laughs> yeah well you know I'm I'm smiling and I'm laughing because it I I don't talk about it a lot, but I, I have some experience with channeling and the way that I explain it to people, um, when it comes up is it's like, for me anyway, it feels like tingling coming down one side of my body. Like I, it almost feels like a stream. And then when I start to write, it's almost like I'm running out of time. Like, you know, like it's like in Hamilton, how, <laughs> why do you write? Like you're running out of time. Like, that's what it feels like where I'm like, I can't write it down fast enough. Now I haven't written five, nine books via so I've only written a couple of paragraphs here and there. Um, but I, the reason I bring this up is I feel like this is probably an experience that is more common than people think. Right. And yeah. there's, there is, there's actually a name for it. It's called automatic writing. Yes. And it depends on what, you know, side of the aisle you want to kind of land it on because it could be just free association. Right. Yes. It could just be me just kind of from the, my subconscious, just barfing out like one book after another, you know, um, sure. but I don't think it is. Yeah. It, it could be that. And I'm not saying it's not that mm -hmm. but what I think it is, is we have a practice in shamanism where we, we try and become what's called the hollow bone where we empty mm -hmm. ourselves from ourselves and that creates a vacuum to bring in the new. Right. So when we remove ourselves from the container of ourselves, it allows for something new to come in that's not you. And why mm -hmm. I say that I'm channeling these books instead of writing them is because I'm learning from the information as it's coming up on the screen. And like the, the you're right, because it's so fleeting, like and you want to grab it, right? Be, yeah. Like you're just constantly doing this, like trying to get it out onto the page before it's gone. Because it's yeah. like the stream of consciousness that you're just watching flow through you that you're trying to keep up with. Now, yep. that's a beginner's move. Yeah. There are ways and controls that you can have because you have to trust that what's coming through you will come through you at the rate in which you're ready. I oh. have had to trust, really lean into that I can put controls on this and I can slow it down. And to mm -hmm. the point where, um, like, I will, I won't let myself write unless I, I can't not write like mm. on the days where it's just kind of like, ah, I'll just write whatever. And I kind of plunk along and it's, it's, it's there, but it's not like those days where you're like, okay, like the, you know, it's all coming in. Like the channels are all open and the information is flowing and you just got these ideas that yeah. are like, 
just has to be expressed. When I get to yeah. that place where I have to write, then I know it's going to be good. It's going to be far better than when I'm like, ah, I'll just, you know. And so yeah. it's me going through years and years of this now of, of kind of knowing like how to use it instead of it using me because it was yeah. really upsetting. And like, there was a long time where it was, it was a huge problem for me because like yeah. I said, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. And I didn't know how to like turn it off. Right. Yeah. So anyways, no, I, I appreciate you <laughs> explaining that because, um, you know, for me, when I, you know, started practicing with channeling, there was one time it was so intense that I, I literally cried. Like it was like the feeling was that intense. And um, so it's comforting to hear somebody else talk about it and, and talk about it in such a way that it can be controlled and mastered, um, which is something I want to talk to you about is mastery. I don't want to skip too far to the end, but you had a video recently that you put out on your channel that was kind of like a a goodbye-ish. And if you'll allow me to read just a, a quick quote from it, um, you know, the, the video is called uh, Ending Dale the Baptist, which I thought that was such a great uh, title. And you start about talking, you start talking about John the Baptist having a role of educating and teaching and giving. And you say that John the Baptist is not living in mastery, but he's in, uh, involved in the evolution of others. And you say, quote, I'm still very much in the role of trying to teach, to try and focus on any lack or misunderstanding that's happening within those around me, within my world. Again, that's not mastery. Right. The mastery has to first and foremost, put down any false gods, any false gods, and anything you give power to outside of yourself, that's a false god. Tell me right. where this came from, because when I, the, in the video is about 30 minutes and I was kind of heartbroken because I'm like, I've already fallen in love with this work. And it's almost like you were saying, all right, see you guys later. I'm going to yeah. the woods to meditate and, and do mastery. Yeah. And I was like, no more spiritual disco. What's, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and, um, because I had gotten to a point in the work now that my spiritual disco, you know, YouTube channel is super fun. And if you, yeah. because I kind of started it to like record myself in my own evolution of spirit yeah, so that I could check myself, right? Because there's, it's so clarifying when you stand up and talk about what you believe in for 20 minutes and then watch it back and you're yeah. like, oh, well, <laughs> You know, like if I don't believe it, nobody else is going to. Like, right, who, right. What, what level of BS am I telling here? <laughs> right. right. Oh my god. You know, and so that channel I, I did for for a few years yeah. of continually trying to push myself and be accountable to myself to evolve. You're not just the way you are. You yeah. are the way that you are because of the work that you're doing right now. And some people are not doing any work at all, and they don't have to. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's no rules to this whole thing called life. However, I will say if you're at all interested in ear, in ending your association with fear and pain, mm. if you're at all interested in living a life that you know fear and pain is optional, that is a life I'm really interested in learning because like that channel that I did, it was just an exploration of me becoming master and commander of myself, not yeah. of the world. Becoming master and commander of myself. Cause that's what a shaman does. I tell this story 
of uh, there was this wildfire that was raging in this one area and they brought in like in indigenous cultures what do they do they bring in the shaman they don't they don't have firefighters they bring in the shaman who she you know set up her little prayer hut and she prayed for a few days and when she found the thing that was off within herself the fire went out yeah. that's what a shaman does they affect the matrix it yeah. affect them that's mastery when you can have that level of power within yourself that you are actually affecting the world around you and it is very possible but you have to know and i say this to people that i'm coaching all the time you don't have any problems you're just not very good at manifesting what you actually want yet <laughs> yeah yeah right yeah yeah and that's a learnable thing in this day and age, it is so available to all of us, this type of high-minded information. It's mm -hmm. available everywhere. You just have yeah. to tap into and find your teacher. Don't go through this work without finding a teacher. Mm. You need a guide. You need a teacher. And whether that's a school, and I went to a shaman school for a year to like really mm -hmm. learn the deal, right? Before then I went off and started doing little separate, smaller groups that were more individualized for information that I was seeking. I'm very interested in cleaning up my ancestral lineage, mm -hmm. right? That's something that's really important to people who study this work because they know that their ancestors brought them to this level of consciousness. And this level of consciousness for me, I stand on my ancestors and they mm. made very unconscious decisions trying to get me to this point in life. Mm. And so I am responsible for cleaning up that which brought me here all the way through the lineage, all the way back, cleaning it all up, right? Because like those houses that have the energetic attachments that we go in and remove, right? The people that we see that have energetic attachments that we remove, right? So we're constantly moving this energy from one place to another. And, and that's what really what we do. That, that's, the, that's really what we do as a shaman is we move energy. Yeah. yeah. So what does that look like when you talk about cleaning up things that your ancestors did. What does that look like in practice? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a practice of actually t um, adopting your journeying state so that you can go in back in time and see what yeah. they did and what they left. And to, you know, kind of like just through a high level lens, like see where they left and if, if possible, go to where they lived because when, when you're actually there where they lived, it becomes much more um, clear like yeah. where the energetic attachments are, what's feeling off, what do you need to resolve? And it's very easy work because in this work, we always mm -hmm. have a spirit guide, right? And they mm -hmm. actually do a majority of the work. It's just us. And they actually teach us, you know, um, how to how to do this. But we're never in the work alone. We're never mm -hmm. there. And we always have this guide who is the ultimate authority um, over even what we know. Mm. So, you know, I think a question that comes up a lot when I'm talking to people about different spiritual practices, they always ask the same thing. They're like, can this person see auras? Can this person see spirits? Are they hearing spirits? Are they feeling spirit? What, is it, what does this look like for you? Do you have sight, hearing, feeling? Sure. I have a lot of feeling. And then feeling. again, this is, it's a practice and you have to practice. And that's why I went to a, a formal education school. So I could really yeah. learn from experienced individuals how to do the deal right. Right. Yeah. And everybody has their own sensitivities. What is it for you? Your, your greatest gifts is found in your weirdness. Like when, <laughs> what we, 
in what makes you unique, right? Yeah. There's stuff in there that none of us want to look at. And yet that's where all the gems are. <laughs> right? Oh, I, 100%, I, that is, I literally was saying to one of my girlfriends today when we were having tea, I was like, I am a weird bird and I embrace yeah. it. I, I love talking to people about weird things. I mean, God, I just, you know, we're talking about channeling and, and spirits and I love yeah. it. I'm like, I could, I could do this all day, but anyway, so yeah. going, going back to these, these practices and you, you talk about practicing, we beforehand, before we, we um, got on the recording, we were talking a little bit about forgiveness. And I noticed yeah. that this is a topic that I saw coming up in your work a lot. I've been talking about forgiveness a little bit um, in, in one of your first videos. I mean, I think it was the first video that you put on the, the channel. You were talking about the noise that is kind of happening in the world, in the country, the way that we have conversations with, with one another. And you said, are you injecting a lot more righteousness, your opinion and being right? Or are you bringing love to the table? At some point, we have to just stop being right. At some point, we have to develop and grow and to love people, even the unlovable. And yep. when you said that, I almost fell out of my chair because I, I believe that. I believe that, but it's hard. Yeah. I, I think it's hard. Tell me about your views on forgiveness and loving the unlovable. Yeah. So uh, forgiveness is such a hot topic right now. And for me, my come from with that word is I struggle with those who demand that there be forgiveness in the equation at all. <laughs> yeah. Because in order for forgiveness to be in the equation, there has to also be guilt. Yes. There has to be something to forgive. Yeah. And so a lot of the times I feel like th there's this expectation of forgiveness, but then that also calls into action. What is it that, that we're having to forgive? Like sure. it, it lives in the world of ego and duality. Yeah. Right? You can't have forgiveness without guilt. And I'm interested in living in a world without guilt. Mm. Right? You're perfect. You always have been perfect. You have never made a mistake. You are perfect and always have been. There is nothing to forgive. Not for me, not for others. They're having their human experience and learning. And guess what? Learning's messy. I'm having mm. my human experience and learning and learning's messy. And there's nothing to forgive because everything's been perfect. I look at like our dogs. We have dogs and ducks on our property. Yeah. One day, one of our dogs got into the duck pen and killed two of our favorite ducks. Hmm. Is there something to forgive? Did our dog do something wrong, judgment, or was our dog being a dog? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I, I feel like even though I was personally heartbroken, you know, like there was nothing to forgive. Our bloodhound, he's two years old. He's a mess. He's just flapping ears and running around and a piece of joy. And yeah. he was being a dog. And he killed our ducks because that's what dogs do. Is yeah. there something to forgive? Do I need to demand that there be forgiveness? Because if I do, then I also have to demand that there's guilt. And there's not guilt. So what about situations where something heinous is being done 
by a conscious human against another conscious right. human, like some of the things that you you have rightfully spoken out about, like the injustices of, you know, religious institutions against queer people, the lobotomizing of gay men, uh, you know, in the United States. I mean, these are horrific things. How, does you are you still able to square that with your views on forgiveness? Yes. Yeah. Because everything's perfect. Yeah. Everything's perfect. Even those those hundred years where queer individuals were being lobotomized, mm. I don't get a whole an opinion on that because it's what happened. And what is is God's plan. What mm. has happened is God's plan. And I don't judge God's plan even when I don't understand it. Even yeah. when I really don't understand it. Because again, yeah. like I don't have problems in my life. I'm just not perfect at manifesting what I want yet. And so that's yeah. a me thing. That's on me. That's my responsibility to go out and affect change in the world, right? And yeah. manifest better for the Middle East, right? For all the problems in the world. That's that's on me. Why? Yeah. Because I'm a powerful person. And I yeah. manifest not just my life, but everything else that's going around around me, right? Yeah. So it's a level of personal power that I try and get to where I, I don't hold judgment, right? Mm. I can't I can't live in judgment and consider myself a loving individual. Like you just have to like let it flow. And especially, this is where we get really off. Mm. It's not about you. Mm. It, you weren't involved in the transaction, right? That was somebody else's karma, like that they were working through that I have to just say that wasn't me, I don't understand, and I'm not going to hold a judgment on it. Yeah, it's really, it's really big, right? In order to incorporate that level of like, okay, mm. nothing in the world is happening without my say so, right? Nothing in the world mm. is is beyond my um, effect, right? Mm. Like, you just have to decide where the line is for you and egoically not get goaded into low dense vibration stuff off of icky people, right? Mm. Like, you got to stay above that. Like, all times and being dissatisfied with history is ego being dissatisfied mm. with the present is ego being mm. dissatisfied with the behavior of others is ego because you don't get to take that personally right like they're just doing their crazy deal and we're just doing our crazy deal yeah yeah <laughs> hopefully we can all get along <laughs> yeah i mean well ideally i mean that's my my dream is that we can all just get along that's why i try yeah. to have these conversations that's that's part of my dream so what do we say to people who are directly experiencing, let's make it something not as horrific. Let's say it's, you know, you work in a store and you deal with customers that are mean in your face every day. And maybe it's the uh -huh. same customer and you know this person and you can put a face to the name. How do you deal with somebody that is actually in real time doing something horrible to you? Yeah, you know, and I look I look at those kind of situations as a, you know, opportunity for me to kind of flex my, you know, boundary muscles because, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's part of, you know, spiritual uh, like who's coming onto my island of joy? Like I am I responsible for that? <laughs> oh, yes, I am. <laughs> like you know, yeah. I put up a moat. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, yes. So you know, your vibration, like, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just try and self-regulate because, you know, like I saw this meme on Facebook. It says the only thing you can do about terrible people is not try and be one of them. But that's seriously the truth. Like all you can yeah. do, you know, is try and manifest better. Like if there's yeah. a problem, okay. If there's a problem, even with others, 
I can manifest better. I can, because when you step into owning everything in your life, it really starts to change. But then, mm-hmm. you know, like where I am in my work now, I'm really focusing on mastery in manifesting. And when you can get to really high levels of manifesting and like I suggest reading my books because a lot mm-hmm. of books will talk about magic. I actually teach it. Yeah. I actually teach you shamanism through the, the story, through the character. Like, and you see, like, hopefully the characters' ahas will be the readers' or viewers' ahas. Like, my books are meant to kind of carry you through to your next level and to meet you where you are, depending on, you know, like, the observer of the work. But it's just, it's so filled with, you know, these these like steps to take because everybody's like, Oh, we should evolve, but nobody really knows how to do that. And so that's why my YouTube channel is so helpful in me watching myself take steps in order to get to higher level of consciousness and to kind of arrive to a more, you know, awakened state, which I really feel like I've achieved now. I live in the present moment only. Yeah. It is the only thing that we have. And you know you will get there when you have abandoned story. Story in your mind is where the ego languages itself. Mm. Abandon story. Because what mm. you're talking about a lot, those people that are coming in and I don't like them and whatever, that's story. right? Yeah. Anything that's not tethered to the present moment is story. You can talk about the present moment. But if you're talking about anything that's happened in the past, or he said this and she said that and whatever else and blah, 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 that's all story. Everything on the news, it's all story. Yeah. Right? And the only thing, it's story is a thought construct. And again, the only thing you need to do to kill a thought construct is to stop thinking about it. (laughs) So that's perfect. That's perfect. But when a lot of the times when we talk about manifestation and... I don't agree with this. I have my own views on on how to manifest, but a lot of people think that manifestation is only thought. You have to just say the right things to yourself and then you will win a million dollars or you just say the right thing, have the right thought, and then it comes in. Is that Uh right in your view or is that wrong? Okay. So this is how I view manifesting. Yeah. There are two ways to get to where you want to go in life. Mm -hmm. You can hustle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Work real hard or you can align Yeah, or you can do both. Yeah. Right. And I find the most powerful equation is to do both. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you're hustling, you're doing the work, you're talking to people, you're making contacts or whatever else you're doing all this hustling to get there. Right. You're, Mm -hmm. you're doing all that kind of left brain stuff, but you also need the right brain, right. The part where, you know, music and symphonies lives. Mm-hmm. The part that connects to spirit more white, the part where imagination lives, if you're not using that hemisphere of your brain to also help get you there, right? If you're not aligning with the truth of where you're going, you will never get there. If you mm-hmm. don't believe you can do it, nobody else will, right? And that's the first mm-hmm. step in personal power is believing and owning who you are, what you want, and where you're going. Mm-hmm. Manifesting happens through a very clear series of of steps, right? But it's first and foremost, it lives within your container, within your body. What are you resonating with? Are you resonating with, oh, I can't afford that? Or Mm. are you resonating with a Are you saying, I am a billion dollar a year talent, honey. You better look out. I am in my baller era and I am gonna go buy myself a new truck regardless of 
what the physical plane is telling me because that's yeah. where true manifestation happens. It happens beyond what your five senses are telling you. You have to lean into the future, right? And know where you're going and language only that which is yet to come. Mm -hmm. Once you like attach your vibration to that, which you don't see yet, that's when it starts to align, right? Imagine you were like knocked unconscious and you had, uh, you know, you couldn't remember anything for, for anything. However, they mm -hmm. came along and they told you this crazy story that you were a princess of this like island and they showed you all these videos and, and things <laughs> that you did as the princess of these islands and you had like seven husbands and yeah. like you collected seashells all right? <laughs> if you didn't know any better, yeah, and you believe that, guess what? Yeah. Yeah. The universe could start to align itself to your truth. The universe aligns itself to your truth, not its truth. Yeah. So what are you telling it? What are you telling it who you are? And yeah. are you a billion dollar a year talent like I am? Right? <laughs> okay. Because that's what I tell myself about my books. Right? Yeah. I, I don't I don't look at like, you know, the 35 sales I've had in the last like two months. Like whatever. That's not where I'm at. Yeah. I'm not looking at what's happening now. I'm looking to where I'm going and languaging that only to manifest. There's just three steps. Be, be it, do, do the thing, right? Have, have it, be, do, have, be it, right? Am, am I acting like a billion dollar a year talent? Am I driving mm -hmm. a car like a billion dollar a year talent? Am I languaging myself like a billion dollar a year talent? Yes, I am. Yeah. Right. I am owning it. I fully embrace that. I know that's who I am. Right. Be, be it. And then you got to do, right. Do some mm -hmm. things like, Oh, I don't know. Write a bunch of books. Like, like, you know, there's, there have to be some, 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 some yang to go along with the yin. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then the habit the is, the what's the habit part? Is, is that celebrate? Just celebrate it. Yeah. No, the having it is the evidence that what you've been doing is actually working. And notice that's the uh, last step in the process. Yeah. The evidence of your manifesting will come last. B, yeah. in the future, don't ever talk about the past. Don't ever yeah. talk about lack. Only talk about where you're going, who you are, and how yeah. like that like that vision that you have is coming true every day. B, B, yeah. B, be it, be it. Then do the work, do some stuff tell others, you know, get people involved. And then having is the last step where you actually see it starting to manifest and come true. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. <laughs> but that's where the evidence starts. You're like, yeah. Oh, look, this actually does work. So, so what are you manifesting? What are you manifesting right now? What is what in a year from now, when we're both super famous and I can say that I had you on my show, what, 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 what will have had, what will have elapsed since since then okay so i've been really clear because i published like a bunch of my books and like nobody read them <laughs> i couldn't find one person to like read my book like for months i was wandering around the streets like will you, will you maybe please try and like read my book <laughs> so and it was and again i was being affected by the evidence of the day sure. i wasn't living in where i'm headed Right? And it wasn't yeah. until I really made the switch. And this is the other thing that you need to, like we've talked about. You can live a life where life is affecting you, where the yeah. matrix is affecting you, where the evidence of your life is affecting you, or you can affect it. Mm. You can affect the matrix. You can affect where you're going, right? But you got to abandon 
the evidence of where you are right now. And that's the hardest part. You can't get mm -hmm. bogged down in the evidence of today. You have to tether your mind to the evidence that you're creating of what yet is coming. Yeah. So that was a year ago. And I was like suicidal. <laughs> He was like, this is such a failure that like, I wrote this book. I literally bankrupted my family just trying, because it's really uh, expensive to produce books. Yes, yes. So yeah. that happened and six months went by and I couldn't find a single person to read it. Anyways, here we are a year later from that. And um, the woman who runs the Festival of Books for the LA Times has uh, picked up my book and is making the trilogy into nine episode limited miniseries that we're going to be shopping around. But she is the most connected person in Hollywood. She literally runs the LA Times Festival of Books. She knows all the authors, all the publishing houses, all everybody. Like she knows everybody. And this yeah. is the woman who's decided to turn my work into a movie script or a, a miniseries script. So I cannot. That's, where we, that's the power of manifesting though. Nope. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I'm just so excited. Nobody, I was going to say, nobody, I can't wait. Oh. <laughs> but it's about to be but, but on the big screen. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love I'm it. I'm super excited. So that's, so where am I going to be in a year? I'm going to have a, a contract signed for that, for that, uh, whatever it is that's being worked on right now, because mm -hmm. I know that I chose the right woman. So much of this work is understanding yourself, is understanding when you know something, you know it, and you do not question why or how you know it, you just do. And you're, you know, a relationship with self, hmm. you just have a level of clarity um, that yes, this is so. And I know that I chose the right person for this work. Now she's not <clears throat> going to be like my book is called Foreign to Me, right? But the, and Journey of a Dark Shaman is actually the name of the trilogy. But she's okay. not going to be doing that. She's doing her own version of what she's inspired. What inspires her through my work, and she's going to be mm -hmm. creating this other thing. Her last thing that she did was. Um, American bastard. She just finished writing that. And so oh, now wow. she's on my project and we'll see what, what my work does to inspire her. So that's what I'm excited about. I'm very excited for you. This is like an exclusive. I love this. I so, I'm so excited that yeah. I get this news. I know, I know you've probably told other people, but um, as we're wrapping up here, I, I always ask everybody kind of the same question. And, and really what I want to hear from you is your, wisdom, your advice to people who are seeking, people who are trying to figure out what they believe, who they are, what spirituality is to them. Maybe these are people who are leaving traditional religions or people who are just simply trying to figure out what the hell is going on in this world. I give you the floor. What is your advice to all the people in those boats? Yeah. Seeking should be an internal journey, not an external journey. All of your answers you already have. Spend mm. time with yourself. I probably spend two to three hours a day um, either journaling, thinking, writing, meditating. Like it's a big block of my day is exploration of self because you can't, you know, get on the path and kill it until you know what path you should be on. Where is the time in your life where you're getting down to, and this is the most important thing that you can get to. The most important thing you can get to is the best question. What is mm. the best question that you can ask yourself that will bring the best answer? 
And that's why we meditate, right? Because I could be going out and doing a whole bunch of things. I mean, with the level of power, of personal power and manifestation that I have now, like I can set my sights, I can set my sails in any direction I want to go. But where do I want to go? That's finding the question that's going to deliver the best answer. And that's an inside job. You have mm. to look inside in quiet, right? You have to really spend time with yourself and get to know the answers are there. Your teacher, first and foremost, is you. Mm. Don't ever lose sight of how powerful you are. You know, and you know that you know. Mm. Go find yourself a teacher that will help you unearth yourself, that will take you to the depths of your personal hell to find the gems that were there. And you do not get to stop on that until you discover why your trauma was delivered to you by angels. My trauma, my abuse, what I survive at the hands of my mother, I view as one of the greatest gifts that I've been given. My mother is an angel. She took me to the depths of my soul in a way that no other human ever will, right? And I'm so blessed for that because what I learned about myself down in that basement of my own personal hell, right, changed my understanding of myself. It gave me the opportunity to celebrate myself in a different way, that I'm a survivor. And look what I did. Look, look what I did. Like, that was the platform for me to start to really celebrate myself and lift myself up because I understood by looking down into what I didn't want to see, right? And by trusting that there is actually nothing there but good stuff. And I promise mm. you, if you really get honest and you get into your mind and you start packing, you know, unpacking it, right? What's under this? What's under this? What's behind this feeling? Why am I mm. feeling this? What's the motiv motivating factor here, right? And you just keep unpacking your mind and getting down to the truths of your trauma. There's only good stuff there. Mm. There is. If you find the right guide, they will take you there. And don't mm. ever forget how powerful you are. We forget that. You have manifested your entire life exactly as you designed and is exactly as you believed about yourself change your belief about yourself are you a billion dollar a year talent can you hold that without laughing right is that a truth that you can name for yourself it is for me right but that's where it all starts and the rest of the world will start to align itself to what you believe again the universe aligns itself to you not the other way around. So be careful what you're thinking. Be careful what you're vibrating with. Your languaging is a sound bath that you give yourself every single day. Every single word is a sound bath, right? So be careful what you're filling your container with. Beautiful. And that's Dale, it. if if somebody, <laughs> I mean, you say that's it as if you didn't just impart, you know, just... <laughs> something that that people climb up mountains to to sit before gurus to get i mean you're just like yeah i'll just give you you know life shattering truth uh you know no no biggie just yeah and i'm gonna go back to dancing after that <laughs> that's what that's the way i see it you're just like here's some truth i'm gonna party here's some truth i'm gonna party um, i love it we need that um, so, so Dale, if somebody is watching this and they're like, oh, I think Dale is my teacher. How can they find you? Where, where are you? Do they have to climb up a mountain to, to get to you? 
Well, I do live on a mountain, funny enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I live in the mountains just above Palm Springs. Uh, yeah. But yes, everything is just at my name. So whether it's social media, it's at Dale Allen Rouse. Or if it's my website, it's www.daleallenrouse. Or my YouTube channel is just youtube.com slash Rouse. And I even have a uh, page on Amazon where all my books are and stuff like that. And you can see that there. But yeah, I'm super easy to get a hold of. It's just D-A-L-E-A-L-L-E-N-R-O-W. S-E. Wonderful. Well, thank, thank you. you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Highly Spiritual Person Podcast. I really hope you found this conversation inspiring and uplifting. If you did, please consider hitting that like button and subscribing to our channel for more updates. And remember, sharing is caring, so if you think others would benefit from this content, don't hesitate to share it with your friends and family. We'll be back with more exciting content, so stay tuned and stay curious.